I'm Tommy Beardmore. I'm Adam DiCarlo. And welcome to Before the Break, a podcast for actors, by actors, brought to you by Working Actor Pro. Alrighty, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Before the Break. This week, we have such a wonderful guest, Tommy. I can't wait for you to meet him. You've seen him on just so many shows. If it shoots in New York, he's probably been on it. He's had yeah, my, my, my IMDb on. broke when I went, my computer broke when I went through IMDb. It's ridiculous. How many credits he has. It's amazing. Go ahead. Sorry he's had. He's had recurring roles on Hightown and Gotham, and he's been on such shows as FBI, Mr. Robot, Blue Bloods, Blind Spot, The Affair, The Good Wife, The Blacklist, and Nurse Jackie, just to name a few. Please welcome to the show the incredibly kind and talented James Andrew O'Connor. Thank you, gentlemen. What's up, Adam? What's up, Tommy? You guys are making me thanks, blush. Thanks for, be- thanks for being here, James. Oh, it's my it's my privilege. Thank you. Um, so uh, we always, always, always start where where we begin the show with where it started. I suppose I should say. And and you're a uh, New York native. You were born and raised in the Bronx, I believe. Is that right? Indeed, you've done your research. Wow. Right on. That's it, though. That's all we've done. That's all we know. So that's all you know. Some <laughs> yeah. guy from the Bronx we got. We found him. He's that's here. It. To uh, yes, so yes, it started in the Bronx. It's actually where it started. How was that growing you know, up? Beyond, I, I grew up in a beautiful part of the Bronx. I grew up right on Broadway, the same Broadway that goes down to Forty Second Street and Times Square. I right. grew up on Two Fifty First Street, opposite this beautiful park, Van Cortlandt Park, um, which is the second largest park in New York City, behind Central Park. And, and is uh, is is, uh, is that changed dramatically since you were a, a kid? I'm sure it, it's still um, beautiful. What's changed about New York? I mean, up there in New York is probably what's changed universally. You just see less kids. Kids aren't on the street like they were when I grew up. Kids yeah. are in sports, organized, controlled. Um, their parents are a little more protective. Um, my folks. We're, we're 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 very protective yeah and at the same point they thought i was down the corner and i was 240 blocks away at grace papaya 9th street in manhattan and there was no way for them to know because because there was no they weren't texting ID. you hey hey where are you james you weren't texting him back like yeah i'm at the park no. it was just you'll see him when you good- see him and besides those little fibs i was a pretty good kid so they didn't they didn't really worry about what I was up to, um, even though I was not always where I should be. But um, did, it was uh, a good, did, good childhood in the Bronx. Did that yeah. kind of did that kind of freedom come into play later in life when you uh, that sort of independency, I guess, when you're out on your own and you're doing whatever you need to do to hustle to get to where you want to go? Did that kind of help you in your path? Well, what helped me about that experience was being a New Yorker and being exposed to all that it had to offer, good, bad, ugly, um, yeah. made the transition from student to, uh, you know, grinding at, at, the, at the, you know, the career easier for me. I graduated college in 98 um, as a theater student, and several of us came from Massachusetts back to New York, at which point... My folks were gone. They were no longer in New York City. They were in Pennsylvania. They they and you were at Holy Cross, right, James? College of the Holy Cross in in Worcester, Mass. Um, I I actually lecture there um, on occasion about uh, acting. Um, So uh, when I went back to the city, as much as I was now on my own, my folks were not no longer part of New York. Um, New York didn't intimidate me. Um, It was my home. If anything, it was beloved, and I really valued. This shouldn't scare me. Well, yeah, hey, listen, where I grew up, you'd love you'd love it. We'd have a good time. We'd get some good food. I'd show you around. But there were parts of the Bronx. Let's put it this way. I grew up in a neighborhood that some people call Riverdale. Um, the people in Riverdale didn't consider me from Riverdale. 
and the people from the Bronx don't consider. They're like, that's not the Bronx. That's not the real Bronx. Ah. That's safe. That's me. So I'm in this little like, I was in this little corner where it was a, sort of a nice balance between what it is to be from the Bronx and what it is to be insulated from the Bronx. But it yeah. was it was a great place to be. And again, we drove right down. I started going to see plays with my folks at a very young age. Um, and it was easy. It was, you know, you were in the, we could leave the Bronx at 7.15 and be in our seats um, in time to, to, to catch a Broadway show. And I know uh, it's so, it's so funny, Jane, some of my friends who uh, they might have a call time and, and we're like having coffee or something. And they're like, I, yeah, I got to be there in 15 minutes. I'm like, you got to be on stage. And yeah, they're just right there. It takes five minutes to get it. there and then five minutes to get up. And then it, it's ridiculous. The they're sad like, part oh. is, I'm so neurotic about my acting that even if I lived five minutes from the theater, I'd still probably be the an hour and a half early. I'm that's just how I am. But um, yeah, just New, so New I'm York, in the building. <laughs> be, be, exactly. Being a New Yorker, if anything, it, it really served me. It, it, it's where the seed was planted, and again, it gave me a thicker skin. Um, getting, I think, just the sometimes for actors coming to New York, just the atmosphere scares folks away. It's not even the career. It's just like oh, it drew me in. Um, I yeah. loved it. I'm well, I'm see, from Orange County, California originally, which you know I didn't know that. More fucking different than New York City. But my dad's from Syracuse, New York, and um, we would come down here, you know, for like a long weekend or stuff like that. So I grew up kind of coming here every few years, and it was just walking around the atmosphere, the yeah. people, the energy, the lights, energy. you know, all that. I was like. I want to be here one day. Um, so I was never afraid of it. I like was drawn to it, which I mean, many people are, but which is why it could you, also scare the you know, shit out of people, which is why you've, you you thrived, you know, and, and Tommy, where are you from? I'm from Indiana. Um, originally Indiana, Ohio. And I spent my time in Chicago before moving to New York. So I was kind of prepped a little bit, at yeah. least it wasn't just from the Midwest, yeah. you know, but you know, it, it does call to certain people. Um, and, and it's interesting to see, like, you know, we're just a product of, of our environment and how we grew up and, you know, you from the Bronx and me from Indiana, it, 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 um, it's just interesting to see how an outsider can come into something so comfortable for you and even me, because I've spent five years there. I, it, I get such a wash of comfort when I am flying in to LaGuardia or something. I just feel so good. And I remember my first year when I was, I had so much anxiety knowing yeah. that I knew no one down there. Nothing. I didn't know yeah. anybody, you know, and it was always hard, but, but it got better. Um, it's good that so it anyway, turned around for you because for right. some, it doesn't, for some, it just, right. the environment alone can scare them off. And I don't want right. to, you know, I don't want to see that happen. I want people to pursue the passion. I don't want them to run away from it. So it was a drag for me a little bit watching folks, be intimidated and being by the atmosphere. Cause I, I wanted to say once you familiarize yourself, it's got so much to offer and just a step away, you can have all the other stuff. I live now an hour and 15 minutes North of Manhattan. And I, I say, I live in the woods. I, 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 I do. <laughs> I mean, I live in, uh, I live on the border of Westchester and Putnam County. Oh, and I love that. It's awesome. It's like, it's probably a little too far for me, as far as just, I, I'd love to have a little bit faster access to the culture of New York. Um, but for raising a family at this moment in time, especially with COVID and we were trapped and I have a little more room, like the kids are young, they're five and seven and being uh, in an urban environment, my friends raising kids there during COVID, it was, it was an added, an added challenge. Um, right. Yeah. So, Right now, I have sort of the best of both. I, I, I have the fresh air and nature, Mother Nature, and all the beauty that comes with that. And boom, I drive to New York City twice a week in the evenings and teach acting in Midtown Manhattan. I um, Auditions were, were Metro North, no problem, or I drove. But now everything's self-tapes, so I'm like right. doing it in the basement, you know, the other half of the basement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder that... that um, sort of thing that you're embracing uh once you get to know it it's a lot you know it, it has so much to give it's sort wow. of like acting you know when you're first starting it's so uncomfortable and unfamiliar and there's wall after wall after wall but if you have no other choice but to stay because you don't have a plan b mm -hmm. you do get familiar and 
we do get comfortable in what we thought was this really, really uh, scary place that we weren't meant to be in. Um, and this an, an enormous universe becomes a much smaller bubble. Um, yeah, I feel well, I feel the acting bubble is quite intimate, despite how overwhelming it can feel starting out. Um, yeah, it, there's so many dots I connect every day. Just when I encounter someone on a set or an audition or whatever it may be, it's a small bubble. And if you hang in there, we can lean on each other and it's not so terrifying because there's oh. as many, there's a lot of us, but it, it, it's a small bubble. I mean, I, I constantly, I'm constantly connecting dots between people I met in one universe or another, or one gig or another, or one lifetime or another. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, let's, let's get into it. Let's, uh, I know that it, it, um, you were going to shows as a young kid. And you got the bug maybe a little uh, a little early just because of well, where you were uh, around. But did, did, is that how it happened? Going to those shows? Sort of, it, yes, that was definitely contributed to it. My father was a Shakespeare buff, a film buff, a theater buff. My mother w w was passionate for it as well. She appreciated it. He had a unique he had a unique interest. Um, loved behind the scenes stories. Loved telling me a little. I read the story about, you know, Tony Randall, or I read the story about Jimmy Stewart or whatever. He loved Jimmy Cagney. He, he loved, uh, he, he loved film from the inception to, uh, I remember I grew up watching Marx Brothers movies and I grew up, uh, but, but I also grew up, I remember, I remember watching Goodfellas in my living room with my dad or when it came, first came out. I remember watching Henry V with Kenneth Branagh when it came out in my living room in the Bronx in his teeny little apartment. And my father would always have a little bit extra to say, oh, I heard this about the shooting of this. I heard this went on on set. I heard this story about this actor. I remember him telling me stories about Kenneth Braun at that point, about how, you know, how his approach um, as an actor, he, you know, apparently Braun is one of these guys that can be doing the crossword puzzle. And then they're like, Mr. Braun, we're ready for you. And then boom, he's doing Hamlet 30 seconds later. I'm not that guy, but I'm, I'm the one that would be staring at my Shakespeare script and they, Mr. O'Connor, we're ready for you, but I'm not ready for you. Um, ah! but, but you, you know, on one side it's the paper with the crossword, and on the other side you're yeah. looking at the sides, like yeah. <laughs> but he, there was always just an an extra level of appreciation when it came to film and television and the arts. That when I was a junior or senior in high school, Fordham Prep in the Bronx. Hmm. We were studying One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest in English 2 on or English 3, whatever the hell it was. And uh, one of my pals, we were just talking about the book in, in class. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to audition for the play next next month. And I remember looking at him. He's still my friend, Sean. And I remember looking at him and being like, you're going you're gonna to audition to be in a play? I just I, I had never encountered somebody who did it. How and did I, you do yeah, that? I, I I played Scrooge in the Boy Scouts, like, but that wasn't acting to me. I, I had the I had the script like under the pillow in my bed. Um, so I was a swimmer at, at Fordham Prep. My parents always wanted, you know, they were trying to prep me for college, so I wasn't a great swimmer. We were city champs the four years I was there, so I stuck it out. Looked great on the resume for college applications, all that, whatever. And but I wasn't I wasn't one of the best. I, I, I was always a big boy with a pot belly, but I I was six foot five. So just by virtue of diving in the pool, I was already a half a foot ahead of everybody else. So I had, I had value to the team. James, you can't leave the team. <laughs> I stuck with it. I was more of a mascot, I would say. But um, <laughs> what what would happen, especially in my senior year, when there was really no value to me being on the team at all. I was graduating and not, you know, I, I would get out and be like, Hey coach, can I use the bathroom? And, and I'd leave and they wouldn't even know I left. And <laughs> I would go back to the school because we swam at the university. I'd go back to the prep, wait for, you know, a ride home from either my mom or whatever the city bus I was taking at the time to the theater. And I watched my pals rehearsing for the cuckoo's nest rehearsing a man for all seasons rehearsing there was a few great ones that year and 
ultimately the priest who ran the program, who I believe is still alive up in Fordham University, his name was Father O'Malley. He actually was a a researcher and a decent character in the original Exorcist. Of course he was called Father O'Malley. Yeah, Father (laughs) O'Malley. And he's he's the third largest priest role in the Exorcist. And he was the representative. Yeah. And he was the representative for the Catholic Church who helped them research all the details about exorcisms and things. Was, he was a wild oh my guy. God. And yeah, his his he was genius. His his homily on 9-11 was printed in the New York Times. He's a big he's a, he's a, he's he's a, he's he's published, widely published guy. And uh, a bit of a controversial figure, I think. Uh, I, I don't think he I think he, he yeah, he got in a bit of trouble out of Fordham Prep at one point and he, like, he was profane, let's put it that way. But he was an innocent. He, he, that was about as bad as it got with him. Right. But um, he ultimately dragged me into an audition for a musical, Fiorello. I had never sung a day in my life. And he told me, you're not going to sit in my theater, distract my actors anymore. You're going to be in my theater. You're going to be on stage. <laughs> and I I remember thinking, why? why? Why not? I wasn't like it. There was no epiphany. But I said, "Why not?" You know, I'll do it. This could be fun. I like a bunch of the guys that are involved. Let's do it. I auditioned. I got this very much indicative of my career. I was a tough guy, not two. It was like the the part, tough man or something. I had like three lines, and I sang in the ensemble. And where that changed me was just the first time I remember us as a group of 30, 30, you know, high school guys hitting harmony. And I'm, I'm, again, I'm not a musical guy, but that feeling, I remember thinking, Oh, this feels good. And (laughs) just to pull out in the audition, you know, in the watching the the rehearsal, you know, seeing their audition, like, wow, that sounded great. And you're like, that felt good for me. That felt good for them. This is something I want to, I want to pursue. I want to, Keep doing it here. I think within that year, I think I did three plays my senior year of high school at the prep and at the neighboring girl. I want to get a good role in South Pacific. I played Billis. And again, wasn't a trained singer. Went off to Holy Cross, auditioned for a play. And uh, the uh, it was the non, it was the, the, the company that wasn't affiliated with the academic theater program and they forced me if i wanted to be in the play they made me join the choir so i wound up singing in a choir and working on a show my first semester at the school and turned out the choir became the guest guest chorus for the bolton pops and the bolton symphony so i wound up singing with the bolton symphony for four years wow oh my god on williams John Williams, Star Wars, yep. Superman, Harry Potter, you name it, Indiana yep. Jones. We actually sang. We helped. the. They were writing the, the music for Home Alone 2 at the time, and I got to sing with the symphony while they were literally working out the kinks. Imagine. And I'm so wow. did, what did that say to you, James? What did that speak to you? In the, in, well, what in it spoke the- to me was this. I hated everything about being in school and was very much about to drop out. Um, I had a good job during the summers working for my, my uncle in Queens. I was making great money for a 17 year old boy, um, um, teen, I should say, and, uh, not feeling the loans. I was constantly being reminded you got loans when you come out of here. So you, you better take it seriously. And I'm thinking, I don't want to take it seriously. This is a drag. I'm not enjoying anything about this. And I came clean with my pop, my father on the phone. And expecting very much for him to be, you know, well, get, you know, get, get the hell out of there. You, you already have a year worth of loans and go make that money and work for a living. And I got the opposite. I got, um, well, what, what, what are you enjoying there? I said, well, I'm enjoying the theater. You know, what am I going to be an actor? And the response was get a degree, get a degree, get a theater degree, whatever. Just, just, just work it out, figure it out, stay put. Get yourself a college degree, do what you like, and we'll figure it out. And I remember crying on the floor in my dorm room thinking, what the hell? That's like the opposite of every cliche you hear about parents and their kids wanting to be actors. And um, that support was certainly, for me, the foundation of it all. 
and that was it. It was off to the races. I, by the sophomore year, I was running the alternate theater company. I was singing in acapella groups. I was taking classes. I was declared my major. I was, everything was arts. Everything was theater. Everything was acting and graduated there and went straight to the national Shakespeare conservatory, which was a smaller program at that point. At one point, national Shakespeare conservatory was a grad school program. Um, you, you walked out with a master's. It was affiliated with NYU and Stella Adler. Hmm. By the yeah, time, yeah, 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 yeah. By the time I went, it was the last year. Um, it didn't. It, it it was the final year of the conservatory. It was a short program. Still, my professors and teachers were still Stella teachers and NYU teachers that came up. We were in upstate New York, Kerhonkson, New York, near like the Mohonk, near New Paltz. Um, and then I basically followed my professors and teachers back to New York city where again was home. I found a spot in Hoboken, lived in Hoboken. And I, I worked as like, I, 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 I remember I, I took out the trash at the producers club on 42nd street, 44th street to get uh, free, free space to, to, to uh, audition, to prepare my auditions. <laughs> I worked for this theater company called Moonworks, which was again professors from from the conservatory had created a little theater company. The company grew and grew and grew while I was part of it. I wound up getting my first. I got a little New York Times mention in a production of Romeo and Juliet. I had the smallest part in the play, and I still got a shout out. The play got panned, and they told they said I had perfect comic timing. Probably the writing. And <laughs> Definitely Just what are they saying? Um, <laughs> what are they saying? But yeah, I used that. I used that little review to sort of leverage my first little freelance manager. Went to Philly. I did theater. Did a lot of off-off Broadway theater in New York, and then Philly. Got my union card in Philly for Equity. Doing doing what? Um, my friend Mark Schneider, who's an associate director, he's a Holy Cross guy as well. Now he's an associate director. I think he was for Hamilton recently. He's he does the Broadway circuit as an associate director. He was doing little. I think we did a Guare play, a musical, okay. very low, not a popular Guare play, but I did a I did a version of Medea in Philly. I did a play Tyler called Perry. Medea. Say again, Tyler Perry Medea. Yes, Tyler Perry's Medea. In 1999, yeah. um, um, I did. Uh, He's like, no, that's called... really what I mean. Tyler Perry, <laughs> India. <laughs> I did a play so... called The Physicist. Anyway, long, long and short of it is, and I, I lecture about this. Like I said, when I when I teach acting or I go back to my college, I, I've lectured at a few schools, and this is part of my spiel, which is, I did everything right, in the way of education and paying my dues and developing my craft. But when I moved back to Jersey City after one of those plays, and this is the beginning of my spiel and the end of my spiel, usually when I speak at a school, I moved in next to a casting director's mom. And <laughs> I, yeah. And I gave her uh, and her husband a hand from time to time without knowing who she was. Oh, okay. And oh, totally the, unbeknownst to you, that was the even when okay. they told me her name. Oh, my God. Even when they told me her name, I didn't. Uh, I didn't. I said, "Yeah, it's, well, sounds familiar." They're like, "Well, do you know what Law and Order Special Victims Unit is?" I'm like, "Oh, I know that. I know that." She was like, "Well, she's the casting director for that," and I'm like, "Well, that's lovely. How <laughs> how does that translate to helping me?" But I, I didn't ask that. But I'm I'm like, "Where is this going?" You know, and they said to me, they made a call. Her name's Julie Tucker. I'm sure you know who she oh, is. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, oh, Tucker yeah. Meyer from casting. Julie's become oh, yeah. more more than a, a a friend to me over the years. She's changed my career. I went for them often. And she, uh, Julie, said on the phone, like, "Oh, listen, yeah, I'll have you in. I'd love to have you in. Um, you know, if you don't hear from me, I'm busy right now." If you don't hear from me in the next couple couple months, you, you, don't be afraid to to push to reach out. So I waited two months to the day. You to said the day, I'm sure. that. 
<laughs> and I called, and she was like, "I got the same thing." Oh no! I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry, James. I'm I'm casting an episode right now. I will I will get I will get back to you asap. And sorry, Julie, but she didn't. Um, <laughs> I waited two months. And then two months later, I called. And at this point, I think she said, oh, my God, my mom is going to kill me. Come, come to my office tomorrow. And she, I went into the office, and we read sides. And she said, all right, you can do this. She said, you can handle this. She said, let's just you know, keep it down. Your theater trainings, you're a little, you're a little big for the camera. It's and, showing. Your yeah. theater training yeah. is showing. So she got me an audition. I forget what the first one was because it didn't go my way. Um, and I remember feeling theatrical and feeling over the top and pushing. And Julie was very candid and said, you were quite theatrical and, and the opposite of what I told you. And she said, listen, I'm going to bring you in for another one. You're going to be in a hospital bed. The detectives are going to come in and ask you a few questions. She said, just, you don't feel well. Just mumble your lines. And, and that's all you have to do. Just, just be, just answer their questions. You don't feel well, mumble your line. So I, I remember slumping back in the chair and I did exactly what she said. And this isn't, this isn't a lie. I got into that elevator and I blasted the wall. I punched the wall of the, of the elevator. I said, I can't believe I just wasted an opportunity to be on network TV, mumbling my lines. Guess what? You got it, right? Did you get it? Before I hit the West Side Highway on Chelsea Piers, they called. <laughs> and that was the that was the first little one. And they 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 that 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 office cast me the next season as well. And at the I only auditioned two or three times. I met Suzanne Ryan in the hallway, and she was casting. Yep. Regular Law and Order, and she brought me in. I looked like her brother. You hear these cliches, like you know, maybe you look like the producer's brother, and the producer loves their brother, and they bring you in. Maybe the producer hates, or they their hate brother. their brother. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And that's 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 the reality of the business. Suzanne will. I know Suzanne Ryan for twenty something years now. She will always bring up her brother when I see her. It's just a lucky little thing that happened. Um. Anyway, and that was just the beginning, and I played the cards right. I mean, I, I think of I work Dan Loria, the the everyone most folks from my generation know him as the father from the Wonder Years. But yep. he was he's a, a Tony. When I was at um Broadway. when I was at Circle in the Square Theater School, he was doing Lombardi at the time. So I saw him Lombardi. all the time. That, that was his, yeah. And he's yep. he's just a wizard at what he does, and he's a great man. And I worked with him in a unique situation with Perks, Person of Interest. It was a sort of an ensemble episode. So we, every, we were all together every day in this little sheriff station in the middle of the winter out in Long Island. And then because of the weather, they pushed the episode. So we wound up spending like two weeks together. And it was like theater school. He would just... He would just spew all this knowledge, and he he had a little uh, company like um, what's the company where they rehearse scripts? Um, Wicked Angels or something? What's the, the downtown? Uh, anyway, he had a company with his pals, Naked Angels. I'm not sure. Do you know what I'm that talking about? Kind of- it's a it's a, it's a it's an old school group that's been getting together for years, where every week actors meet, and you can bring your scripts, you can bring scenes, original stuff, and and there's you know a hundred people convene, and they go, okay, you know, Adam, you're going to read this, Tommy, you're going to read this, and they read material as a group, and it's it's an opportunity for actors to act and writers to hear their work, and Dan had a had a group like that in in uh, California. The only difference was when Dan did it, he did it with um, Robert Mitchum, uh, Jack Palance. Um, oh my God! Uh, crazy <laughs> people. It's it's bonkers. Um, Charles Durning. Um, you walk in, anyway. you're like, I recognize every single person in this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he, so he would spew this, these these stories about all these legends and. I, I became very fond of him, and, and uh, I remember asking him at the end of the experience, you know, any guidance as I go back out? You know, I was doing – that was my one of my first guest stars on Person of Interest, and he was like, well, let's put it this way. He's like, you're doing everything right because you're already on the path, but 
he says, m you know, my guidance to young actors and continues to be my guidance is, you know, do, do pay your dues, develop your craft, work hard, but you need a little magic. Um, the, the problem for a lot of actors is that magic might present them itself to you, but are you ready? You know, when you meet that writer, when you move in next to that casting director or their mom, they knew I was going to Philly to do plays. They knew I was going into the Manhattan twice a week to take classes. They knew I was getting up at 4 a.m. to sit in front of the equity building to do open calls. So it was easy for them to pick up the phone and call Julie. Right. Yeah. So, you know, and, that that is yeah. what I think a lot of actors, um, the biggest downfall, especially in, say, the first five years, is they don't think that they're getting the opportunity because they haven't gotten the booking. But I think in reality, everybody has some sort of opportunities spread throughout the first couple of years. And I think it's all up to, are you prepared when opportunity knocks? Yeah. You know, and yeah. if you think that you're not, you know, booking, um, it might be because you're just not, you're not as prepared as you should be because, you know, opportunity does left and right. And, and I've been mm -hmm. guilty of not being prepared when an opportunity came, you know? Yeah. Um, me as well. And the, the, the bottom line is, if you're doing, if you're building your arsenal properly, which is doing, doing the, the studying, you know, you don't need to go to Juilliard. Um, go to Juilliard. If you get in, go, go and pay attention and do, work hard. But if you can't, if you don't get in, you know, create your own Juilliard. Read the books. There's gurus up and down New York City that worked for Stella, that worked for Lee Strasberg, that worked for Uta Hagen. My coach, I've coached with with all of the above in New York city. Um, if you're doing those, if you're coaching, if you're, if you're doing a little off Broadway here and there, off, off Broadway theater here and there, if you're, if you're, you know, studying the voiceover, if you're studying the movement, if, if you're going to a lot of film festivals, if you're creating short films, if you're doing your pal short films, the, you're creating this arsenal of, of, of experience and knowledge. And you're also like, you're expanding your network constantly and yes. odds are somewhere in there, somebody or s something is going to happen where somebody's going to say, you know what? You don't have an agent. Oh, let me make a phone call. Or, you know, you, you know, I just wrote this film and the guy that was going to do it got booked on a pilot and he's not going to. Would you read for my film? And you just don't yeah. know where the opportunity is going to come. I always say for me, the way it worked. I was always, I always had little goals, you know, I want to get my first under five or I want to get my, my union card or whatever it was. And I might work towards that goal very hard. Something would happen inevitably. If I was working hard, something would happen. Might not be the union card, might not be the under five, it, but something would happen because I was working hard and applying myself. The universe, and I don't want to sound heady, but it paid itself, it paid me back. And again, uh, sometimes goals, you know, I'd work towards a goal and I'd achieve that goal. But, some, you know, I, I wanted to be on Boardwalk Empire desperately. I, I had friends that were starring on the show I that brought me in front of, got me in front of casting right away. Meredith brought me in for endless roles on that show. God, I used to go to that office that was, all the uh, time. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it didn't pan out, but I think that's when I booked Gotham. Working actors deserve affordable and convenient coaching. That's why we created Book It, America's fastest growing one-on-one -on -one remote acting coach service, all from your device. We're not just coaches, we're working actors too. From Broadway and voiceover animation to TV, film, and commercial. Real actor coaching, from real actors, catered especially to you and your path. Anytime, anywhere, we're here to train you, to guide you, to prepare you, to book it. For more information, visit workingactorpro.com slash book it. Book Gotham somewhere in there. And even Gotham, you know, we had strategized where I was getting a few guest stars here and there, and we had strategized that, okay, Certain shows are going to yield a lot of roles that you're suited to, certain or not. So maybe right. Royal Pains, if Royal Pains comes and offers you a one-page part, you take the part because you want to work. 
Yeah. Um, because there's not a lot of opportunity in Royal Pains for you. But if Gotham comes, there's going to be a lot of, at this point, I was doing a lot of antagonists. There's going to be all sorts of villains and mobsters and supervillains. Just we're going to hold off until something juicy comes along. And casting will understand. Yeah, and it's knowing and what you're good for and what shows it's like. It's real. That's why you know uh, communication with your representatives is really important, so you can have that conversation of, look, there's a show that aesthetically the universe I look perfect for. Gotham yeah. is all bad guys and you know yeah. with leather on and grungy and monster urban, urban you know, dudes, guys yeah. and all that shit. So let's really try for that show or boardwalk or whatever. It's like, I look yeah. like I belong in that universe. So let's really, and, you know, try to go after and those. And that's where I met Adam on Gotham. And I, I, I went in for Tommy bones, which is the role I booked. I went in for Butch, which is the role I wanted. I mean, uh, Drew worked. I mean, Drew worked in almost every episode, and he was phenomenal. And we've become friends. Um, but I went. Uh, we had him and there was a lot show. of. We love Drew. You did. He's he's such a sweetheart, yeah. and I'm I, he, and he's killing it, which is uh, great to see. Um, but I remember there was interest in me, but I kept hearing about a guy from the West Coast, Drew, and so it went his way, and life goes on. And right. so then Tommy Bones came around and it was supposed to be only one, one episode. And I told my agent, I said, I don't know. I thought Gotham was one we're holding out for. So he, he, he translated that back to casting and casting said, well, there's buzz that he's going to, he's going to hang around for more than one episode. And we really think there was a strong reaction to your initial audition um, my rule is if you get a callback and you don't think you're going to take the role, don't waste their time. Don't go to the callback. Be honest. Um, say that I'm not going to, you know, James is probably not, if this role goes his way, he wants to hold out for something better. So we, we communicated that before the callback and they said, no, 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 send him to the callback. They saw his tape for the initial, they're talking about expanding the role. And I went into the callback and and they told me right there and then they were like, they loved you, James. We really want you to like, we want you to get this one. And we think it'll be in more than one episode. And it, it turned out, I think I filmed six episodes and five of them aired. Um, but it, it was a great little, it, it upped the career. It, it, it advanced me. And right. plus it was a blast. I got to meet you. Um, and we had Adam, excuse me, and um, we, we had a blast. That's you know that. Robin quite a bit, right? I worked with Robin quite a bit, who is, uh, is yeah. he's now one of your I'm imagining lifelong friends at this point because I oh, know yeah, he's love, done work for him. you, right? He's yeah, yeah, I mean, he was just so lovely, everybody was lovely. I worked with Anthony Carrigan, who's blowing up now. All of you, evil, evil evil characters are the sweetest fucking people in the world. James, Anthony, yeah, I, Drew, Robin, it, you're all killing it. And you're all just such a, fucking sweethearts. That's a uniquely sweet group of people. You're right, man. And yes. Anthony Carrigan, who I, I don't, I, I know like we're, I'm trying so hard to get him on the show. Hope to get him on the show. Well, he's, he's working. Leave him alone. He's right working. He's like, I'm filming. So Leave me alone. James, let me, so let me ask you this. This is a, a huge win for you, but where, where are you in the struggle, on the struggle bar? You know, where you were getting in into New York, it's your first couple of years. So where Gotham oh. allowed you to kind of level up, uh, where are you at that point of booking? I'm still in the struggle bar, without a doubt. I mean, before I had children... Um, between a little bit of voiceover work, a consistent um, guest star booking, you know, pace um, before the kids and living in Jersey City and Bayonne and Hoboken, paying low rents. I was I was I stopped bartending. I stopped working in restaurants. Um, I was cons I was making a living as an actor. Um, now I have a mortgage. I have two children. I want to give them more. So now 
I'm I'm working three four jobs at a time as, when I'm acting. I'm on set down at Hightown and I'm coaching from my hotel room. Um, the good part is one of those many jobs is coaching, and coaching my bookings have definitely. I've been coaching for years, but it was just a couple people here and there. Now it's become more of a thing, and I'm currently trying to expand it into a like a studio um, where I'm doing and it three four times. Week. Your coaching really helps acting. I, I started coaching about a year and a half ago. Oh. And my acting completely oh. changed. You know, completely changed. It's you, you're you're spending your time instead of you know whatever other you know doing your temp job, whatever it might be. There's value to all those jobs, without a doubt. But when when you can do your side job and be thinking about storytelling and character well, development and yeah. the the business, the craft, wh what have you. How is that not going to benefit you? Um, another piece of guidance that I give to people all the time is I, I don't like plan B. I don't believe in plan B. You've heard about that since, you know, you've heard about that since you start acting training when you're young. Don't have, you know, Michael Caine, don't have a fallback. And don't, I think Denzel said don't have a plan B. You hear all these greats tell you not to have a plan B. I don't think you should have a plan B. I think you should just, those things that, insulate help you out those side gigs if you want to call them that wh wh whatever it may be it should be i i, I two plan a's that's what i say i say um, plan, so, I, I plan a and then plan a point two and it's just a sub yeah and like a. it lives it a two should have something <laughs> yeah plan a point two should have something to do with this industry that we're in. And if, if that means I know actors that are headshot photographers, I know actors that are editors, I know actors that are um, writers, producers, uh, makeup artists, my dresser when I worked on, though I've only worked on Broadway once, but my dresser was, uh, I, I ne never spoke of acting. And only about me. We're so self-centered as actors sometimes. You're like, you know, my career this, and I had an audition for this, and the guy's dressing me and doing working on me, and I'm I'm gushing about all my shit. And he, like, two years later, I see, like, he was, like, nominated for an Obie or something. I'm like, the dude's an actor. And he never once... He never once mentioned. That you see him again. You're like, hey, you never right. mentioned. He's like, well, I couldn't get a fucking you know, word in, James. You didn't stop. In, you blabbermouth. Goddamn. <laughs> you big blabbermouth. You're like, you're right. And you're it, right. I, yeah, you're right. And it was a little bit of me and a little bit of him being humble and letting it just, you know. But yeah, that goes back to my waiting tables days. My, I was the worst waiter. In, in the United States of America. No, no, James, it, I was. You, you, my, how my, my could work they is... possibly, how could they possibly order a drink from me? Right? They're bugging me here at this bar. But, but <laughs> my, my colleagues used to say, James, um, career update on table three, career update, table three, because I'd go over to the table, my regulars would be like, hey, James, any auditions? And 45 minutes later, all my other tables would be like, Dude, where's my food? Where's my drinks? <laughs> so, part of the training. Memorize my slides in the back. Get off my fucking back. <laughs> literally in the, the handicap bathroom, running yeah. auditions, not joking. So, Tommy myself. did this. And my, they would train people to know you cover your tables and watch James's tables because <laughs> he's got his head up his ass. Oh my so, God. They, they listen, that was my I worked in the same restaurant for almost eight years. You know, they gave me health insurance. They let me come and go. I was late all the time from auditioning. You know, um, where would we be, James, without without yeah. our bar gigs, our restaurant gigs that have helped mm -hmm. us in those darkest times? The only reason that we were surviving, you know, was because yeah. we had some side thing that that and and because we were there and maybe we were hard workers, maybe we weren't. But when we'd have to pop out for an audition, they were like, you know, they'd allowed that. But a salaried position, yeah. any other job wouldn't probably be so. No, there's very few places that accommodate it, which is why it's common, why it's a cliche that that we work in the service business. Um, <laughs> and I wouldn't, 
I, I, I returned to it about five years ago. I bartended up, up here for a short time. And there were others I, I stepped away. It was part of it was the late nights. Part of it was you, 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 you're inevitably driving. I was a bartender. I'm coming home. I smell like booze. I'm behind the wheel. I, I was, I was like, you know what? At this point, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm in my forties. I've got kitties. Um, Again, no judgment. Bartending is – I'd still probably do it once or twice a week for fun. I met great friends. I networked. And, and I just like people. And so it was a good gig. And it's it, it pays well and it accommodates the lifestyle of an actor. Um, but this coaching, oh, it's so much. It's so good. I'm, I'm like I, – I joke to my students, and they probably think I'm full of crap. But I'm like, my, my nights teaching are my favorite nights of the week. I come home, I feel invigorated, I feel inspired. And uh, it, again, it leads, it, you were asking like, where am I at in the grind? You know, um, it, it, it's led to opportunities. You know, it's, 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 it's made me ready when they, when they, when the, when the audition comes, I'm sharp. I'll do my auditions in front of my students or I'll rehearse them in front of my students. Um, they help me, you know, and they learn from watching me audition. And uh, yeah, so for me, again, again, I have a recurring role in a show right now. I'm coming back for season two of uh, season three of Hightown. I leave in like four days. Um, and I, right now, I'm only, it's a short season, it's seven episodes. And I'm only slated for the first two so far. Maybe they'll bring me back for more. I don't know. I don't care. My agent said, you know, when I first, we were trying to leverage a little bit more than last season. You always try to aim for growth. Um, didn't pan out that way right away. We don't know yet. But the way my agent put it, he's like, listen, dude, when you go to bed tonight, you're going to bed knowing that you're you're coming back for a second season on a television show with more than one episode. Maybe you're not doing 20 pages of dialogue, but and the people on the show are lovely. The creators are lovely. The actors are two, two, two of the leads right now are friends that I've studied with for 15 years with my coach. Yeah, Alex. Badge Dale on that show, right? Badge. So Badge is, is, a, is, incredible. A, is a friend. He, I studied with a woman named Alice Spivak. Rest in peace. She, she died during COVID. Oddly enough, oh. she beat COVID and then sadly had a heart attack uh, some month later. But oh. deep, deep in her 80s, she was in her 80s. I would have pegged her in her seventies and she and badge and a few of uh, our friends during COVID all, we all got to see her. We went to a uh, drive-in movie premiere. If you ever heard of such a thing. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. I had, we had one, didn't we Adam? That was awesome. a whole thing. That first summer of COVID when all these That's film it. festivals were like, what do what? we do? Yeah. What do we do? Yeah. Let's bring back. Yeah. <laughs> you know outdoor driving it was a blast i met them up in the middle of like warwick new york i think uh one of her students vincent vincent piazza very successful actor he played luciano okay. in boardwalk he's a yeah, dear yeah, friend yeah. as well Vinny was doing premiering a film and uh again so badge myself and like four or five other people went up and we got to hang out with alice and she was gone like two three months later wow. we're making um they were one of her students lavinia was writing had been following Alice for years, interviewing Alice and was turning Alice's interviews into a one person show and a little film. <laughs> nice. And right now, because she's no longer here, we decided Lavinia decided to utilize all of her students. So we're doing this funky film where we're all having, we're basically just having conversations in Alice's words using Alice's words and uh, badges in it myself and all we're, we're, we're in the middle of the of, of filming. Uh Oh, I, I just got signed out. Are you guys no, still there? Good. No, you're no, in. You're, you're solid. Oh, someone must have signed me out of my other zoom. My, I work for a studio. No, anyway. you're good. Um, you're yeah. So I'm on set next week with like three of my pals, like guys I've studied yeah. with for years. And, um, I, I don't know. I got distracted by that segue, but um, I was no, about, your, your agent was saying like, it's all about perspective. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, you're negotiating stuff, but 
you're a working actor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm it's doing what I love. Goal, did right? you always, James? Did you always have that? I mean, you're when you've been in the business for a while, you get wise, you get grateful, you get humble. When you were in your kind of earlier years, how was your gratitude and where was your perspective? Did it change? Gratitude is everything. And I know it sounds like a cliche, but it's, no, it it's, just, it's everything. And where I was at in my, in my mind, approaching the business as a young, young man, it's, it's, this isn't the best advice here, but I, I'm six foot five. Um, right now I'm 350. Um, I shouldn't be, I should be, uh, like 270. Um, and, uh, but I'm a very unique physical specimen. I'm a Sasquatch. I always joke around. I'm uh. your number one Sasquatch acting coach. Um, <laughs> one of my, but what I, what I knew, I knew I loved it so much that I was like, if I have to be the knucklehead the guy holding the spear in the Shakespeare play. If I have to be the guy in the background of some gangster scene in a Scorsese film, I'm still in a Scorsese film. I'm still in a Shakespeare play and I'm still in the atmosphere I want to be in. So James, um, it's almost reality's version of your dream. You were okay with. I was okay with, with, with not it, again. James film and TV will always need what you look like. Yeah. It well, just, and always fortunately there are opportunities that are bigger than that fortunately i worked hard at my i was not getting the leads in the college shows and the, the high school shows um especially in college i was i wouldn't consider myself top of the class there funny enough um, some of our most successful guests on the show were people who never got the role got the roles and like you know, I think it's and that struggle that makes you um, hungry, three-dimensional, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I I remember senior year going back to audition for Measure for Measure, and Anthony is the role. Is it Anthony? I forget. Angelo, um, and he's this this just just epic antagonist lead in Shakespeare's you know lore, um, but. I went, I spent the whole summer in my grandmother's backyard prepping that play, working monologues, working scenes like I had never done before. And the professors, they, I didn't get Angelo long and short of it. I didn't get it, <laughs> but I remember the professors telling me, you just gave us a problem. You made, well, they had the whole play precast. They knew who was coming back. They knew the students. Um, they, they weren't were, expecting they, what you were bringing. They to the weren't table. expecting what I was bringing. And to hear it from professors who were not necessarily very fond of me or just didn't cater, you know, they didn't show me any sort of uh, attention or respect to get that and say, okay, I can, I can, I can aim higher. And then it became, all right, utilize that ability to be a, a guy in the background because you look a certain way to enter, to enter into the field. Ah, we and, always say, use your type. Yeah. To, as the key in the door. Yeah. Just get in the door. And then once you're in the door, then you start fighting for more. And that's where I'll always be now. Um, I'm always going to fight for more. And casting directors will tell okay. me repeatedly, they'll call me in for major roles. And then they'll call me in for a three-page co-star. And I'll, I'll say to them, you know, I don't say anything anymore except thank you. Um, but there was a time where I'm like, why, why are you calling me in for series regular on Wednesday? And then on Friday, you're calling me in for a co-star. And they go, James... We want the best for you, but we also want you to work. We want you to work. Hello. Hello. And that I just said this to a student an hour before I started this interview. Like he's, he's you know, I just, he's, he's, he hasn't even entered the union yet. And he's already worried about get, trying to get this star, or this pilot or this. I'm like, listen, the role's perfect for you. Go make, do the best job you can. Let them see what you're capable of. Maybe you do book it. Probably not. You're not even in the union yet, but maybe you wow them so much that they give you a smaller part in the, in the thing. Maybe they, you wow them so much. They remember you a year from now when they're casting another project. We Help, just yep. have to, you know, yeah. Give yourself great, big goals, big goals, but also just give yourself realistic goals. Like how, how do I sustain myself yes. in this business? Do I love this enough that sustaining myself is enough? Cause it needs to be. 
because we have to enjoy we get one ride on this planet and like if you're spending it and and an academy award is all you care about uh, then you're doing the wrong thing with your time here um yeah. are you in, i probably had more fun i'm still having a blast but in college i was working with these beautiful sets and I'm, I'm in the theater seven days a week, all day long. If I'm not rehearsing the play, I'm in the classroom. Like, I was acting all the time. Now, it's, it's, it's business. It's other jobs. It's parents. It's, 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 it's being a parent. It's, so, you know, but the process, if the process isn't enough for you, then you, you're doing it for an end game. Then go to Vegas. Yeah. Because you're gambling your life away. So um, how, do you, how do you stay in wonder? In your, you know, I mean, it's easy to get cynical in this business and it's all commercial and money and the mortgage and the bigger role. And the, but how yeah. do you get that, those early years wonders that you want to keep for the rest of your career? Um, you practice gratitude, obviously. You have a great perspective. Um, it's just so easy because I still like I every night that I'm free, I'm turning on a film or I'm, I'm reading a play and I'm like, damn, this is good. And I want to yeah. be part of this and I want to be part of that. And I want to be on you're the never line. not in it, whether yeah. you're on set or you're teaching just, or your nights yeah. off or are you I know, don't have to do research anything. of watching yeah. TV and film and reading yeah. plays. I'm you're a never fan not first. In it. Yeah, I yeah. Think we're, we're all fans first. And you that totally. as long as I'm a fan of it, uh, it's gonna keep drawing me in. It just draws me in. It's, it's effortless. It's just a reflex for me to want to do this. And I don't, again, like again, plan B, like the only time I've ever considered a plan B was the day my daughter was born. And I saw her and I was like, oh my, I gotta take care. I gotta keep this person alive. And like, you're looking at your ATM receipt. Oh my yeah, God. And I'm like, this is crazy. And I told my wife, <laughs> oh shit, I, I have to get this. I, I, I gotta figure something else out, Tammy. And she was like, no, 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 no. You're, it's too late. You, you, you know, it's too late. You're all in now, dude. And she was like, so this is what you do. Work harder. Go go further. Try to think she outside. Just the work. She's slapping you. So that's when I started pursuing voiceover more. That's when I, the coaching became a little more aggressive. Yeah. Um. How do I put more energy into it instead of running away from it? And it's so far, it just keeps working out. Like, I got to be grateful, man. Tommy, it's like this. It's easy to have gratitude when I've been lucky. I've been very blessed. Right. And, you know, uh, Julie Tucker and people will remind me that, yeah, you're lucky, James. And yeah, um, you met me. And yeah, this happened and that happened. But she goes, when you walk in the room, you, you bring it. You know what you're doing. And you book the job, not me. And, exactly. And, yeah. It's easy to have that connection and then yeah. go into the rooms and, and not have yeah. it. And it's like, yeah. oh, you had this connection. But at the end of the day, it's what you do on the tape or in the room that makes the casting director go, hey, producers, director, you got to see got this it. guy. Yeah. And for them to be like, he's got it. You know, And, and I, I so, want to say one last thing, because I know we're getting to a point where I got to run. but And this leads to what you were saying before, Adam, about robin and anthony and drew and this is what i try to teach this and i learned it i've always i was raised to be a good person and raised to be a kind person a respectful person and i would I, I never lost that but when i was early in my career i was going into these rooms like daniel day lewis in like in like gangs in new york like everything i was so intense and so serious and so, like, I was wearing blinders, and it was just you go in. James, can you just get, introduce yourself? <laughs> just get the role. And uh. and finally, an agent who's no longer he, – he retired recently. His name is Gary Epstein. He was with a group called Phoenix, one of my first agents. And Gary, when he signed me, he was like, listen, I, we're, we're, we're signing you today, but I just want to tell you something. And he had two headshots, one that I had rejected – because I was picking my headshots during this period of time. And he was like, and the, the, the one is me very serious. And the other one is a smile. And I never used the smile headshot. He goes, this is where we want you to be on TV. He's like, this is what I need you to be all the rest of the time with the smile. He's like, you can't. 
he's like, we, we, we reached out to a few casting directors to feel you out. Get some feedback, and, huh? And, and you're, you're, you're perceived as rather intense and, and scary. And one of the assistants went as far to say, oh, he's terrified. He's scary to me. I don't know. And he's like, you can't be doing that. Like, wait till they turn, say action. And then you turn it on. And yeah, again, there's a lesson in it. But my my lesson is kindness has brought me everyone who gets a callback for any any project in New York City is probably great enough to perform the role. So why do they why do they pick you? Well, they want to work with you. Why would they want to spend a month with you, a week with you, six months, six episodes, six minutes with you if you're not pleasant to be around? Totally. So go in there with gratitude. You're doing something that you're lucky to do. You're doing something that brings joy to you, that brings joy to others. Carry that into the room. Treat people with respect. Your competition isn't competition. They're colleagues. They're in the same boat. I, I walk into an audition. If I see a guy like Drew Powell, I'll walk right up to him and say, hey, pal, this one's mine, buddy. This one's mine. We love each other. I want to book one. Dan Laurier would said this to me, too. He, he came up with John Goodman and Bruce Willis. They were, like, working the same restaurant. Yeah. And we said the way they wanted it was let – John, Adam get one, then Tommy gets the next one, then James gets the next one. That's I, the ideal world for all of us to, to be able to thrive and survive. I um, love that, though. You're not taking yourself seriously, and it's you're having fun. That's when you book is when you're having it fun and enjoying it. You know, and, and, and then you have fun on the set, and that translates, and those people who, who gave you a job, they want to see you succeed going forward, and maybe they'll give you another gig. Maybe they'll refer you to another person. Who knows? Yep. But yeah. Um, it's such great advice too, James. You know, I know everything's like on self tape right now, but that whole thing of coming into the office and like, Hey, thank you so much. Yeah. I'm James blah, 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 blah. And being yourself and going into the room and Hey guys, how are we doing today? All right, let's do this. And then snapping into it. And they're like, Oh my God, we love him when he comes in. He's so nice and sweet and blah, 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 blah. And then he switches it and he, and he does the work and yeah. then he scares the shit out of me. Yeah. And we say cut and he goes, thanks guys. Have a great weekend. Yeah. And that's you know, the, that's, the, that's job. the game, baby. That's the game. James, James outside of Hightown, what else you got coming up? Um, it's it's Hightown. Just cross your fingers, everybody, that I have a, a good season. That the show has a good season. Um, I'm again. I'm I'm on Instagram, James Andrew O'Connor. Sag Sag stuck me with my my God given name. There were nice. too many James O'Connor, so I got this big obnoxious name. But I, I love, love it. it. My mom and dad gave it to me, and that's what I stuck with. Um, that's what I am on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I don't use Twitter too much, but Instagram is pretty much where I communicate. I invite any actor out there to DM me any question. I, I always, as part of my coaching, as part of my existence as an actor, I like to help people. I was helped. And a lot of my mentors, I wouldn't be here without my mentors and the people that gave me a little, a little leg up and a little bit of guidance. Um, yeah, besides that, I, I'm a coach in New York city. If you're interested in that. DM me. Um, I work for a studio, acting and voice studios. I I, um, I believe in them. They're they have integrity. Um, they 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 vet who they bring in. So if you're ever you know interested in that studio, feel free to ask me. Um, yeah, and I hope everybody books the hell out of stuff. Study hard. Study hard. Be kind. Craft is the key. Craft is the answer to all your questions. How do I get an agent? How do I do this? How do I do that? How do I work hard? perfect your craft and odds are that process will lead you to the place you need to be and make James Andrew O'Connor. Be a mom. Thank be you a dad, so much for stopping by my friend. It's so good to see you guy. I'll probably message you both so that we can, uh, <laughs> I, I want to talk about you guys. Who wants uh, to stop. Me? Anyway, guys, Thanks, thank James. you for this very much. Love you, man. Good seeing you. Isn't he the sweetest guy? Yeah, honestly, man. Oh my God. That was um, that was lovely, uh, you know, and to know that a guy like that was at a level when he got Gotham, but the guy was waiting tables before the guy. I love the fact that he said, um, "Oh, who was it? Uh, who was uh, waiting tables um, at the same restaurant?" Uh, God Almighty, who was in Sixth Sense? Bruce, Bruce. Oh, Bruce Wells, yeah, fucking Bruce Wells. You know, just hearing that when people are like. 
I get reminded everybody struggles. Everybody has those things. And when they make these, these huge headlining bookings, they're still doing that stuff on the side. And we tend to just forget about that and think like, oh, all these other people are just floating on this never ending cloud of opportunity, but really it's like the struggle is yeah. all across the board. You know? I, I remember him from Gotham, you know, cause he would walk on set with this, you know, huge leather jacket. He's so huge. He's playing this bad guy. He's got the, you know, jet black slick back hair. He's like, you know, he's right. just this guy that you're like, right. oh my God. And then he sits down and, you know, we cut rehearsal or whatever. And he's just the sweetest, you know, teddy bear of a human. And you're like, Oh, you're like the sweetest person ever. And like he, yeah, everyone just loved having him on set. He's just, he's such a, a great energy and a wonderful person. Well, we've had a, a common theme in past few episodes that kindness is key. Um, and I just think that like, he's such a great example of that, you know, and also yeah. the feedback, the feedback that you get like when he, when they had to look up uh, some casting directors to get some feedback, Hey, how's he doing? You know? To listen to that and to say, oh, yeah, yeah. wow, I am taking myself really seriously. This is an acting <laughs> job. I don't have to be the character walking yeah. into the room. I'm me, you know? Yeah. Lovely. All right, everybody. Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode. You can find out more uh, about Before the Break and how to become a working actor at workingactorpro.com. Follow us on Instagram at Before the Break Pod and Working Actor Pro. Adam's stuff is at adamdecarlo.com. Follow him at that Adam DeCarlo. I'm tommybeardmore.com. Follow me at I'm Tommy, by the way. Don't forget to hit subscribe, leave a rating and write a review if you like what you heard. Check back next week for an all new episode with an all new guest, Adam. We'll see you next week, everybody. Adios. Oh, that's your line. I'm sorry. Fucking oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. See you next week. <laughs>